This episode of The Minimalist is brought to you by nobody, because advertisements suck. The Minimalists. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hello, Minimizers. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. When humans cling, we get dragged by whatever we cling to. Mm. Material possessions careers, status, achievements, ideologies, the town we grew up in, toxic relationships. To cling is to give up a piece of freedom just to retain something that brings with it a sliver of pleasure and often a world of misery. That's what we're talking about today with a very special guest here in the studio. We have a storyteller, a performer, a Grammy-nominated comedian, Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the new and impossibly improved Lisa Lampanelli. Yay! Yeah! Oh my God! <laughs> you guys have made my dreams come true. I'm obsessed oh. with The Minimalist. Mm. I can't believe it. It's we- the only podcast that I buy as a Patreon subscriber <sighs> because I'm like, I cannot get enough of these two. I love them. <laughs> oh my God. You're the age group that I always thought would hate me because you're the age group that cancels everybody. Yeah, right. However, We're just on the tail end of it. I was like, thank you for like liking me enough to have me on the show. Heck yeah. I'm freaking obsessed. I'm busy loving things and using people. <laughs> Wait, a minute. Wait, it's the other one. <laughs> no, but seriously, I love the podcast. Thank you for having uh, me. We this love is you. on my bucket list. Thanks so much for coming on. I mean, it's it truly is an honor to have you on here, Lisa. That was so funny. I'm always shocked when anyone has even heard of me because I have incredibly low self-esteem. Are you kidding me? I used to, get the, I used to get the Comedy Central roast channel. Yeah, exactly. That was so good back in the day. Yeah. And I have a theory about why Josh is a fan of mine, if you'd like to hear it. It's I, really I want to hear it. Yeah. Yes. Okay, when I was listening to to your best-selling book, Love People Use Things, on audio, which I also own in hardcover. I was listening, and you told a really sweet story about your mom and how she took you and all the kids to the park and how she said what could nowadays be viewed as a quote-unquote racist joke. Mm. And I used to always, you know, this was my comedy. I made fun of every single type of person, Mm. hoping they would all feel included. Mm. And your mom said this thing to this black kid. It was so adorable. She said something about, if you can reiterate it. Oh, yes, I could. Well, it was a joke where she indicated a stereotype. And I said to myself, and you said it was a beautiful moment because you realized your mother really brought people together with humor. And I said, oh my God, that's why Josh probably is a fan of mine because deep down inside, you just know that all jokes, despite the target, and if Mm. the target feels included, it's about love and inclusion. So that's what I said. I have this little fantasy that I'm Josh's mom now. So if you want, you could come for Christmas, and I'll I'll even like take that kid of yours. That kid seems real cute. I love it. I love it. I don't want to ruin my mom's punchline, so it's in the book. No, it's fantastic. But what what I will say is there was something about humor that allowed us to talk about some of the some of life's most difficult, most challenging things. You know, we grew up in a really terrible situation, and I felt like there was so much weight that it required that levity. Yeah. And mm-hmm. my mom was just this 
the source of humor all yeah. the time. I loved that story so much. And I, seriously, when I was doing comedy, I was doing I was stand up for thirty one years, mm. and then abruptly retired three years ago just because I had to minimize my life. You mm. know, I was just like this career isn't serving me anymore. I really want to downsize everything. And it was, you guys are new at touring and stuff, but if you've done it for 30 years, you're like, okay, another hotel room, another theater. You're not a sightseer. Like you literally fly in and see three things, airport, Mm. hotel, theater, and that's it. That's right. So I was like, oh, this is not feeling good anymore. I started becoming a noticer of my own life. And I was like, I want to just declutter that out of my life. Oh, I love it. And it's sort of like when I wrote to you guys and was like, hey man, I'd love to come on the show. I was like, I literally got rid of so much other Mm. than things. You know, it was career, husband, and by the way, still friends with him because he is a good guy. Um, I had four houses at one point. I mean, for one person? What are you kidding me? (laughs) What are you, a big shot? Ryan, I thought you were extreme with two living rooms. I know, right? (laughs) Let alone four houses. one of my house had three living rooms. Oh my goodness, weird flex, but okay. Yeah, I know, it is an odd thing to brag about. But now I live literally in the home I grew up in. I love my parents' house. It's it's just literally home. It's always Mm. been in my phone labeled home. Mm. I, there's a reason I probably never changed that. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. And now it's just <sighs> me and the two little doggies. And it's just really cool. It got rid of 90% of my stuff. Mm. And a lot of that is in thanks to you guys mm. because that first ne- Netflix special just blew me away. Well, let's oh, talk about awesome. that. So on this minimal episode, we're going to talk about clinging to things uh, and also letting yeah. go of things. On the maximal, we're going to talk, we're going to disagree about attachment, I think, because mm. we've actually had some fans disagree about our, our thoughts on attachment recently and maybe even ryan and i disagree but also i want to talk about commitment and also ryan called me this morning he wanted to talk to you about being canceled so we're going to talk about that on the maximal episode that's over on patreon the minimalist private podcast patreon.com slash the minimalist but lisa let's talk about how'd you stumble across the minimalists oh my god okay so i you know you retire you're like, what is my life going to consist of? Oh my God, I have no identity. And of course, that means let's, let's just watch a lot of TV. Mm. So I'm flipping around to Netflix. And I'm like, oh, these guys, all right, that's cool. I mean, it's a choice between you and the Tony Robbins documentary. Which one am I going <laughs> to listen to? So I watched this and I'm like, oh, okay. It resonated. Awesome. So what was enough to make me subscribe? Not subscribe yet. I just started downloading the podcast because I'm not really a podcast person. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then the second special came out. I did the 30-day challenge. I know, I'm going to do another one. (laughs) And it's I don't even need an accountability partner because I'm that much of a badass. Okay, I'm Cobra Kai all the way. I believe it. (laughs) So then I was like, oh, I need more of this. So I subscribed to the Patreon because Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I have to hear like the deeper stuff. So yeah, it it was amazing. And again, my age group, I'm 60 but I'm the world's oldest millennial. I literally get it. I get like why my age group sucks. And I like totally like everything I think that the kids today like. So I enjoy it so much and I look forward to it every week. It's, well, you guys better not take oh. vacation because I'll be really mad. And what will I listen to then? <laughs> the you, sounds that, of silence. That is like the biggest compliment ever. I think like your story is so important for our listeners to hear because you did, you kind of had it all. You had the success. And my favorite yeah. philosopher, Jim Carrey. Oh, he's, I love him. He's 
do? Yeah, that he has that quote that we used in the first yeah. documentary about I wish everyone could become rich and famous just to see that that's not the answer. Oh. And and I get asked all the time. They're like, yeah, you know, Ryan, I get it, man. You had it all. You were making six figures. You had the job. You had the vacations. You had all of it, and it didn't make you happy. And I get that, you know, intellectually, but I just want to try it out for myself. I yeah. just want to make sure that yeah. it's not something that I want. So, yeah, I think stories like this really kind of, it just helps answer that question of how do I get rid of that desire to have everything and uh, and just move forward with life with with you know with a meaningful life. Well the thing is about it though, it's weird when you do retire from something that's really public. Mm. Like you never really hear of comics, actors, or singers retiring. Me and Daniel Day Lewis. So I'm in like really good company. <laughs> so I'm like I just done and Jim Carrey actually he and I had developed a TV show that we sold to HBO at one point. Oh, wow. And it didn't get made and it was a blessing. Like it's always a blessing mm. when you look back and go, oh my God, thank God I wasn't a good enough actor to pull that off. <laughs> so Jim Carrey had said to me once, we are in the United States of avoidance. Ooh. We avoid everything, every <sighs> feeling. And I'm like, okay, I was medicating with food. I, I had to lose, you know, get surgery and lose the weight. That was another declutter. Mm. I was medicating with achievement. And literally nothing makes you feel better. Like, it's <sighs> insane. I would buy so much stuff. And again, I could afford it. So it, it was easy to let myself get away with it. Yeah, Like, you don't... You know, if your bank account's great, like, mm. what do you care about? You buy eight Louis Vuittons. Right. Who cares? You're yeah. a big shot. But I always go, wow, it was interesting to go, hmm, 10 seconds of made me feel better than not so much. Yeah. And you guys really got in my head, though, yesterday. This was really funny because um, it's stressful being out here with the hotel situation. It's, you know, LA is yeah. a little crazy right now mm -hmm. with the COVID stuff. And I was like, I just have to get this. Not, I have to go to Louis Vuitton. I go, I'm just going to go to Forever 21. How bad can it be? And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm going on The Minimalist tomorrow. I don't think I should go to Forever 21. You guys helped me not buy a $3 shirt that will disintegrate in one wash. Oh, man. You're welcome or, or I'm sorry. I don't know yeah, which. Yeah, it was crazy. But no, I don't. I think everyone's trying to fill the hole. Yeah. And, and, and I get it. But it's impossible mm. with other, with outward things. Yeah. And what we're doing is we're clinging to those thing so mm. it's it's buying the the louis vuitton bag and that wasn't enough so the second one might be yep. enough right yep. i'm gonna hold on to that first one that didn't really bring me the joy that i thought that it would promise but then i'm going to move on to this next thing and we know that other stuff isn't making us happy but we still hold on to it the four houses is I a great know. example what were your four houses filled with this was ridiculous okay <laughs> i was fancy for a while mm. even though like i'm so, totally lower middle class you know my folks were just working worker people and i it was just i had them decorated beautifully i had a decorator this that. I, who the who do I think I am? I'm not some <laughs> intel comic who's an idiot. Like, come on. So it was basically stuff. And you know what's funny about the purses? I did years ago, about three years ago, I sold all the purses. I sold all the jewelry. I mean, everything mm. that was worth anything. Because I'm like, oh, money's good. And yeah. I can put that in the bank and I can retire. Mm. So I'm getting rid of the stuff. And I noticed about six months ago when I moved in, back into my childhood home, I held, had held on, held on to this one Gucci purse and one Gucci wallet because I had memories of when I first made it. Oh, I don't want to tear up. My mom and dad came to see me in Vegas, mm. and it was the first time they were like, oh, they. I mean, they were always proud of me, but they were like, oh, she deserves this. You know, you mm. you can. You know, I had that good memory, and then I go, mm. I bet if I sell this, I can grieve it and not feel I have to hold on to it. And do you know? I sent it into the company, sold it. 
And I just, it's going through the grief and mourning. That's what I think we're afraid of. Mm. And I go, wow, a week of mourning over this memory that I still have within me. Yeah. Oh, wow. Now I don't have to have that thing in my house. Mm. And you're right. I, I fought you guys like crazy in my own head going, sentimental. I love sentimental. I love sentimental. Mm. And I do. And it's still a lot of stuff I have is sentimental, most of my stuff. Yeah. But I'm like, that particular thing could go to a greater good. Mm. So it's very interesting stuff. And there's, oh, there's an incredible wow. sense of relief on the other side of the grieving. Oh. and uh, uh, On the other side of the morning, we just did an event in Phoenix recently with uh, Dr. Joanne Cacciatore. She has this great book. It's a really short book called Grieving is Loving. <sighs> and it talks about the death of, uh, of obviously loved ones and grieving their death. But then there are all these deaths that we go through all the time. It's grieving the loss of a house. Or it's a grie grieving the loss of a purse. It sounds silly, but... Yeah. but we tie up so much sentimentality. We tie up so much meaning into these things. But of course, if everything has value, by definition, nothing has value. Right. Because right. if everything's so valuable to you and you have, well, if the average household has 300,000 items in it, that means Lisa Lampanelli had 1.2 million. <laughs> oh, wow. That's bad. Oh, my God. Not anymore. 90% of my stuff gone. Oh. And you know what? I just, one of my houses was like at, at the beach. And I realized my sister had inherited from my parents um, their house at the Cape, which is small. It's nothing fancy. But I go, oh, I bet they love that. There is so much joy to me going, oh, my God, I bet somebody will love this. My sister was so stoked. And I said, if you don't like it, just give it to Goodwill, like good cause, whatever. And she's like, oh, my God, I love it. So there's something really good about finding things a good home. However, I said I can't be so beholden to that belief that if it doesn't have a good home, I keep it. Right. So I go, now I leave that box by the outside door. I put it right in there. And I'm like, okay, you know what? That's going. And even if it's not a quote unquote good home, because we could keep everything thinking, oh no, until, yeah. until it has a good home. Mm. It's not a reality all right. the time. Yeah, so sure. I just love letting stuff go. And you should hear me quote you guys. I am like a beast. <laughs> and I don't even credit you. I'm going to act like it's all my That's ideas. Okay. I'm I'm I literally. <laughs> We're giving you permission. <laughs> I just go, you know, guys, I be I can't get Josh's cadence perfect. <laughs> like, you know how he does real nice. He does a big cadence. I, I love that. I'm going to play him in his biopic. Um, but when you say the stuff about just going, okay, if it's not, you don't get more joy or happiness or whatever, adding things, it's subtracting things. And mm. every person's agreed with me after they've thought about it. They go, oh yeah. Even mm. in design, take one thing out, it looks better. Yeah. So, I mean, you guys, you're doing it. You're, oh. you're changing people's lives. Mm. Unlike me, Lisa Lampanelli. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Lisa, we got some audience questions here. Let's go ahead and dive into a few of these. I think we start with Elena from Facebook. I'm clinging to the hope I once had. How do you redirect when life changes your path? So I wanted to talk about this. Since we're talking about clinging today, there's this word that we we use all the time. and It's hope. And we think of it as as inerrant and good all the time. But sometimes our hope can make us miserable if we're mm. hoping, if we're clinging to hope mm. of something that we know can't possibly happen. Mm. Maybe we had some path set aside for us and, oh, I hope this is going to work. I'm touring for 30 years. I hope yeah. I'm going to enjoy this someday. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And so here's something pithy for you. I know it's not the lightning round, but disappointment doesn't exist without hope. And so 
it's not, that's not to say get rid of all of your hopes, but choose your hopes wisely because otherwise you might get dragged by clinging to some of those hopes. Well, mm. yeah, I've said a lot that I find hope completely useless. Mm. I don't think it's a good thing to have. <laughs> I think it's, I like reality. And I like, oh, you know, I'm going to try my best to make this thing work. And if it doesn't, I'll grieve it. And mm. that's fine. But you have to grieve it. We're talking about, she's talking about, I think, too, something I talked about on my podcast called Death of a Dream. Mm. Death of a Dream is where, you know, the little girl wants to be the ballerina. Eventually, the 40-year-old woman has to go, oh, it's kind of sad it never happened. Or I wanted kids. Or I want, my Death of a Dream was, I never wanted kids, but I always wanted grandkids. And mm. you can't have one without the other. Mm. So I'm like, yeah, but kids, not yours, but kids suck. So I'm like, <laughs> not gonna. No, I should <laughs> agree with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, I had to grieve the fact that, oh, I didn't have grandkids, but I do have eight nieces and nephews, so I could pretend. So, and, and also, driving in, in LA is so filled with death of a dream for me because mm. having sold TV shows, having been like somebody in the entertainment business, it's mm. like, oh, maybe my dream was to be a great actress, but that's not what happened. So I could be sad about it and move on. But I, the problem is nobody is willing to be sad first. Mm. And you gotta just, like that book you mentioned, yeah. you gotta just be sad at yeah. least for a little bit and go, wow, it's a shame, but I can move on. Yeah, that's right. the death of a dream. It, we often talk about how, and Rob Bell, we got this from Rob Bell, uh, you know, you have to have a funeral for what you wish <sighs> was. And that really helps to get the grieving process kicked off. And I'll tell you too, there are a lot of things in my life I look back on like my youth, for example, you know, at 40, I'm like, I get hurt snowboarding. It takes me a little longer to heal than when I was 25. Right. And I really look at that, my past self, like, oh man, I was, I really took it. I, I didn't take advantage of my youth and I have all these regrets, but I can also look at that and really appreciate what was and the opportunities that I, I have now. And yes, I'll never be 25 again, but I can certainly start doing things now that my 50 year old self is going to be happy about. So, with, yes. so instead of looking at my past and clinging and wishing I was there, it's like have a funeral for what you wish was uh, appreciate what you had and then look at yourself 10 years from now and ask yourself like what can I do now I'm not going to have this feeling so I don't have this feeling in 10 years yeah. it's so true like for instance I always joke about how I do things now really badly um, we did an episode on my podcast about daring to suck at something because you can't be mm. good at something eventually till you suck at it mm. i'm sure your first episode here wasn't your best episode Amen. i'm sure episode 400 is better than episode one mm. so i suck horribly at ballroom dancing but i'm gonna do it fully and have fun with it and be awful at it twice a week with stefan mm. and go you know what suppose i'm 80 and in 20 years and i I'm the oldest winner of Dancing with the Stars. Heck yeah. That would be that. hilarious. That would be awesome. So you go oh, at it, not wow. with the hope that you're going to do that, but with this cute little hobby idea. I've turned everything I do in my life into a hobby. So for instance, I'm doing a podcast with these two millennial guys and we, I view it as a hobby. I don't need to make more money. I don't need to be the person who, you know, changes people's lives. Mm. I can just have fun. So I think if we look at everything as fun, that's how stand-up comedy started for me. Yeah. Sitting around a diner with mm. guys writing jokes, and now I'm doing that again. Mm. With these guys, I'm like, this is cool. So I think yeah. what we have to do is just shift it to doing it without attachment. Yes. And the results don't matter, dude, because we're all going to yeah. die someday anyway. And right. just go, oh, I had fun in that moment. But in the fun 
not in a hedonistic way. Yeah. You know, oh, that was joyful and sweet. Immersed yeah. in joy is oh. the way that I look at it. Because our friend T.K. Coleman talks about how dreams don't come true, decisions do. Mm. And mm. and if I were to expand on that, I, I think about having these dreams that are not hopes, but they're sort of adjustable dreams. It's something I really enjoy doing. I would like to do that. Yeah, for me at age 40 now, I'm not going to make it into the NBA. I've right. just decided at this point that... <laughs> I have something to say. You wouldn't have done that at 20. Hey, <laughs> how dare you? I hate to shatter your dream, but your friend Lisa Lampanelli, <laughs> this is a wake-up call. Hey, I'm an inch taller than John Stockton. <laughs> That's okay, true. Okay, yeah. I respect that. Yeah. Anyway, um, but if your dream's adjustable, and what is the dream? It's, oh, I really enjoy basketball. Basketball. Okay, well, maybe I can coach basketball. Maybe I can be an athletic trainer. There's different things that you can do that are in that same realm. And so by expanding the dream, making it more adjustable, not hoping for one specific individual specific outcome that we have to have. And if I don't get this, my life will be devastated. Like you said, with comedy, when you first started comedy, you were writing jokes. It was about the immersion of the joy. Eventually, at some point, though, it became an attachment to an outcome somewhere. Can you talk about that? Yes. I remember my far, the way I decided to start comedy was I was working at Rolling Stone magazine. I was a journalist before I'd gone to college for journalism. I'm driving to see my first nephew who had just been born. And by the way, he's having a baby this week. Isn't that crazy? That's okay, awesome. that's like 30 years ago. So I'm driving and I hear an ad on the radio you know, for rent a DJ, this company like who, you know, would you DJ parties. And I'm like, oh, I bet if I do that first, I can work up the nerve to talk on stage because I always kind of knew I had a gift for like a little humor. Yeah. And then what happened was I started sitting around, you know, after that, that was joyful. And then I would sit around with these other beginning comics and we write material and we just have fun. But then what happens is the worst thing happens to you is you get success and you get like little glimmers of like, ooh, this could be a career. Yes. And I'm like, oh, and the, I think the big moment where I probably decided this isn't for me anymore was I had sold out Carnegie Hall and Radio City Music Hall in a space of three months. That was huge. Wow. So yeah. that's like 10,000 seats yeah. Holy moly. combined. So I was like, wow. And it was great. But you know, all I really remember about that night is the family stuff, which is a big indicator of my parents being there, my brother and sister and all that. And I remember I got off stage and the head of Live Nation says to me, wow, next Madison Square Garden, and it completely—he didn't mean it bad. No, I he, he was believed encouraging in me. you. Yes, yeah. and it deflated me, and I'm like, oh my god, it's never enough. Mm. I think that's the first time I thought it's never going to be enough, yes. and I think it was at that point there was a little internal shift of like, I bet I have to get out of this. Yeah, mm. and it's just like okay, and thank God I have good people around me who are mm-hmm. like, yeah, you can get out anytime you want. Yeah, You know, you can downsize, you can save money, you can just be a human. So now everything I do is just like human. But that attaching to, oh, well, maybe I don't feel fulfilled at Radio City, but Madison Square Garden might do the trick. Yeah. It doesn't. Nah. Nothing fills the hole. It, yeah, And and these, these clingings, they're different types. So it's clinging to stuff or clinging to success. And in our culture, those things are societally acceptable. Mm-hmm. In fact, you should be more successful. You should make more money. You should buy more things or the right things or better things or luxury things. And there's nothing wrong with success or achievement or stuff. The problem is when it becomes the pursuit mm-hmm. Mm. then that is what is making us miserable. Mm. We have a question here from Jonathan in Boston. My mother recently passed away, and I am now responsible for dispersing her many possessions, which she unfortunately held so close. She was well aware of my own efforts to live with less, but 
never assigned specific items that she'd want other people to have. I think ultimately she knew I would figure it out. But here's where things get troubling. I know that, in essence, there are certain items she would have loved others to have, and she would have wanted them to think that she had them particularly in mind. So for me, I I generally don't mind tiptoeing the line between falsity and truth when I'm aiming for good ends. But at the end of the day, I don't want people to feel burdened by objects that a dead person supposedly wanted them to have. So now, if I were to proceed, it would be with good intention, but I'm simply shooting in the dark at this point. Do either of you happen to have concrete advice or general insights that might help me as I move forward? That is the best question right now in my life, and I'll tell you why. I'm totally taking over your show. <laughs> I notice your guests don't talk that much, but let's just change that for me. <laughs> All right, man. No, but seriously, I'm, my mom passed April 30th. Wow. I was lucky enough that I was living in the house while she was in assisted living. So I got rid of all the broken, moldy, or anything ruined. Because mm. it's not my stuff. Mm, yeah. It's her things. Mm-hmm. So when she passed, she left certain things to certain people. And I even said to them openly, I said, if you don't want this bedroom set, don't worry about it. Like, it doesn't hurt. It won't hurt her posthumous feelings. It doesn't hurt mine. We can sell, you can sell it and then, you know, whatever. I said, or I could keep it. It doesn't matter. I love this house the way it is. But I feel like the people who didn't declutter, like my mom, they need us to caretake a little bit and go, huh, I'm looking at this thing. Mom would have wanted so-and-so and I have it. Let me tell the little white lie. Mm-hmm. So right now I do tell the little white lies. It's weird though. It's like creepy that his question is literally what I'm doing now. Because again, they don't have to be burdened by it. If you give the caveat where you just go, hey, I think mom had mentioned you might want this cabinet. However, if you don't, I'd be happy to take it and it wouldn't hurt her. Mm-hmm. So I think if as long as you let people make their adult decision, you're mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's the key here. So w- with Jonathan... If your mom wanted these items to go to a specific person, she would have told you. So maybe she gave you a list of, here are the 17 items. I want to go to these 17 people. Great. That's made it really easy for you. Now, if you're now trying to get into her brain and her intentions, you can do that to the best of your ability, but that's simply offering it. Hey, I think my mom would have wanted you to have this. If not, totally fine. Mm-hmm. No offense. I'll find it a home where someone else will get value from it. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, if my grandma one time, she had like a basement full of stuff from the whole family. And she gave us a week. She's like, hey, mm. she called us all up. And she's like, I have all of your guys. I don't know who's is who's down here, but uh, just come over. And if you want it, grab it. If not, it's going in the garage sale. So, uh, you know, that's just one example of what Jonathan can do here. You, but you do have to form a plan. And you also have to, uh, you know, hold these people who the items are supposed, are supposed to be given to, hold them accountable and give them the option. Uh, but I'll tell you what, man, if you let other people's desires dictate your actions, though, it's you're going to be miserable. And that's right now where Jonathan is, is because he's like, oh, I have the burden of my mother's desires to find all these things, good homes. You can do your best. Uh, if you have to donate the rest, that's that's okay. Yeah, um, yeah your mom isn't going to have her feelings hurt. But I also think, too, part of it is, because I've done this, I don't know if he's doing it, but I imagine this um, this problem is almost clutter, mm-hmm. meaning mm-hmm. it's it's hard to grieve a parent or a grandparent, and maybe this is helping put off that grief a little bit. Ooh, so yeah. I think, because I've done that, I mean, mm-hmm. a million times. When my dad passed five, six years ago, I was like, you know, well, let me caretake my mom. So anything to not feel... 
your sadness over like my favorite person in the world mm-hmm. not being here anymore. So it's all very interesting to look at. And I love, by the way, just on a, a different note, the giving the people a deadline to pick it up is that's badass of your grandmother. She was like totally cool because yeah. it is her space. Yeah. You know, right now the house is mine. The contents aren't, I don't have any urgency to get rid of it, but what I did do, and he might want to do this also is you say, Hey, I'm not going to get rid of anything. I don't need to declutter mom's stuff, but I'll let you know if I need the space and then give you a deadline. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, I just want to say to all the grandmas out there, because mm-hmm. they're all listening, by the way, <laughs> stop it. No one wants your silver because <laughs> silver freaking is the one possession that sucks because you have to, it's all black. Yeah. Like you remember in the old days, they'd mm. have tea services. That stuff is getting sold. <laughs> I don't care what, even members of my family who are super sentimental like me, were like, no, bye girl. <laughs> I can't. Oh. Lisa brings up a great point. Yeah. And I think this is the key for Jonathan is if you, you are always trying to solve everyone else's problems that might be an excuse to avoid your own problems. You can tweet that podcast, Sean. Mm. Now, Jonathan, I'm going to send you a couple tickets to our uh, Boston event. It's no Carnegie Hall. It's just oh! this little <laughs> Where place. Where are you playing? The Wilbur? The Wilbur, I yeah. used to play the Wilbur all uh, the time. Yeah. I so, love it. It's a beautiful venue. Yeah. I'm going to co-host your show up there. All so right. we, don't we'd, worry about We'd it. love to have you one of our events. <laughs> oh, we'll we'll oh, talk I'll about it. Come, you kidding yeah, me? Come on to the Wilbur. All right. Hell yeah. I'm committed right here on I'm our committing podcast. committing at We're this holding time. to it. So we're going to 20 cities. It's called the Love People Use Things Tour. Theminimalists.com slash tour to find a city near you. We just got back from Texas and we did three cities there. We were in Denver and, and Phoenix and Salt Lake City, and we're going to be all over the place, both coasts. Uh, we'll be in Canada for a little bit. TheMinimalists.com slash tour. You can find the city nearest you. But Jonathan, we're going to send you a couple tickets to our Boston event. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It's time for the lightning round where we answer your text messages. You can text your questions and comments to 937-202-4654. Are you impressed I didn't have to look at the piece of paper for that? Thank you so much, Lisa. <laughs> you have no idea how hard I've been working on remembering that. I heard you screw it up uh, one time yeah. and I was appalled. At least once. <laughs> I'm, I think you got it from here on out. All right. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so Lisa, during the lightning round, you know this already, but I this is where it. we do our best to answer questions with a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. And would it be okay with you at some point if I said, tweet that podcast show? Yeah, because okay, okay, like, yes. that's my thing right we now. We insist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also put the text of these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you like. And now you can find all of those minimal maxims in one place, thanks to our good friend, Jessica Lynn Williams. That's uh, minimalmaxims.com. So we have a question here from Sebastian. How do you stop clinging to the security of a good paying job? Ooh, so a good paying job. Now, this is the perfect question for Lisa. I'm going to give you something pithy that is an indirect answer to this, and we can expand on it a little bit. So here's my pithy answer. Love begins at the place where clinging ends. Mm. And so... I think quite often we cling to a relationship, we cling to a job we thought we would love, we cling to the items or the status or the trophies, whatever it might be, because we confuse those things for love. But real love begins when we've let go of the clinging. So that's not a direct answer. Here's, here's my real answer. Security is, is a misnomer. Mm. Because if other people are in charge of your destiny, then there is no real security, no real freedom in that. By the way, so is... 
So is good. Good is also a misnomer here. Mm. A good paying job. Yeah, it might pay you well financially, but it sounds like it's stressing you out in other ways. So it's not paying you well psychologically. I agree. Like literally, what would you rather? The money and the false construct of security, which doesn't exist because tomorrow another Madoff could steal everything anyway, Mm -hmm. or going, I have peace every day when I wake up. I'd rather, I remember living in a studio apartment in the city, my first place I ever bought. It was literally so small that you could plug in your vacuum cleaner when you used to have to plug in vacuums in the bathroom and reach every place. And I was so happy in it because it was small and cute. So, I mean, to me, I guess it's like, wow, I'd rather live in one room and have peace and wake up going, oh my God, my day is my own. And I, even if I work at a coffee shop or whatever I get, you know, happiness from, it's better than that idea of quote security, which doesn't exist. Yeah. And again, it's easy for me to say having saved money and been like overly responsible. And it's easy to give that advice to people, which advice, as you guys have said, is useless. (laughs) But I think just the idea of peace has to outweigh quote unquote security. You know, I think though, for a lot of people, like you're obviously making like really awesome money. Um, it would be hard for people to let that go. I mean, yeah, you're mm. able to save up some, but still to walk away from that, like there's something there that, you know, I think uh, what's, uh, Sebastian can take away from this. I mean, you you did walk away from a probably better paying job than what Sebastian has. Yeah, yeah. Unless that's Sebastian Maniscalco. <laughs> He's making $50 million a year. Oh my goodness. I love him. But the fact is, yeah, you go, wow, I'm not going to be having that paycheck. And you know what's really weird? What's and that? my business manager says this all the time. He goes, don't worry. Every person who retires has this where nothing's coming in because mm. we didn't, I didn't do a ton of movies or anything. Those are, there's not a lot of residuals mm. and you're still spending. So you're like, Oh my God, is that okay? Mm. And it's like, no, 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 you've done the right thing by saving this. But yeah, you can't. And clinging is the best word for that. Just the, the idea of the security is making me happy. Yeah. Security doesn't make you happy. Mm. You know, Tony, what, what's not Tony. Um, Wayne Dyer had said, we don't want the million dollars in the bank. We want the feeling of having a million dollars in the bank. Oh. Yeah. So I love that. Tweet that podcast, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> but make sure you credit the long departed Wayne Dyer. If I were if I were to summarize what you're saying, though, here's something else that podcast Sean can tweet: it, peace is not for sale. Right. Peace mm. is priceless. Oh yes! Wow! <laughs> yes, indeed. Tweet that podcast, Sean. Yeah, tweet it all. <laughs> Just one tweet at a time. This whole podcast. Here's my pithy answer: uh, Sincere actions arise from sincere desires. And the thing is, is like Sebastian here, his sincere desire is not to make a bunch of money. Now, does this mean Sebastian should quit his job tomorrow? No, of course not. Yeah, just quit your job and start a podcast. Right, exactly. Yeah, it always works. works. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but but it, it does mean that something is arising within Sebastian that he does need to make a change. It doesn't have to be tomorrow. Unfortunately, though, what we do is we wait until this pressure cooker situation builds up and we feel like we have to do something tomorrow. I know that's where I was with the corporate world. I wanted to, as soon as you know, we, we started doing the minimalists, I was like, oh man, maybe I could just like go. And, and I, I couldn't. I had, it took me a year, year and a half to like really form a plan to work that plan. Oh, by the way, I was going to college. I was working 60, 70, sometimes 80 hours a week and I was writing for the minimalists. It wasn't sustainable, but there was an end in sight. So Sebastian, if anything you get from this is start to form a plan to make this transition away from your job. If that's what you want to do to me, it sounds like he is looking for permission to at least starting to, to think in that direction. You're right. And as the queen of all of America and mm-hmm. beyond, mm-hmm. you have my permission, Sebastian. <laughs> make that plan. Get out of it. Amen. Lisa, we got so much more to talk about. But first, Emma, do you got something for us? 
Here are some voicemail comments and insights from our listeners. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Josh. This is Lisa from Minnesota. My advice to your listeners who are moving and are wondering what to take and what to leave behind is imagine you are in your new home and you open a box and you there is the thing that you are wondering about whether you want to take. And are you thinking, wow, I'm so glad to see this. I cannot wait to use this in my new home. Or are you thinking, oh, man, what the heck was I thinking? Why did I pack this? What the heck am I going to do with this? So hopefully this will make things more clear to you listeners. Thanks. Hi, my name is Jamie Middleton, and I live in Orlando, Florida. I did have some ideas about um, things with kids. I recently, in, within the last couple of years, on my birthday and then at Christmas, I said, you know, I don't want things. I'd rather just do things with you guys. I'd rather have experiences. So we take a trip or we go someplace really fun or special um, also, uh, instead of buying things for your kids, uh, we like have a membership to a science museum, a children's museum, um, and those are great things to ask for if people are looking for gifts for you as a family or for your kids. Get a zoo membership or ask for a museum membership because you can make that last all through the year. And those are places that your children can go and play with quote-unquote toys that are free, that belong to someone else, and they have to manage the clutter, and you don't. All right, y'all. Big thanks to Lisa Lampanelli. Check out her podcast. It's called, what's it called? Losers with a Dream. And that is a line from one of my famous roasts, because all three of us on my podcast are losers, but we have dreams. Mm-hmm. Also, LisaLampanelli.com. We'll put a link to all of that, including her podcast and her social media in the show notes. Now, Lisa, we're going to talk to you a whole bunch more on the Maximal episode this week. Folks can check that out. We've got a bunch of surprise questions for you as Yay. well. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash The Minimalist. But first, Real quick, for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalist. So last week we were in Denver, and um, I was just walking around, and we were going from the hotel to the venue. It's a little comedy works is actually where we performed. Oh, I love that place. Yeah, Yay. it's great. And so it felt like a comedy show too. Like we were on stage. Oh, it was so good. And you know, people are are you know, our jokes were like five to ten percent funnier just because we're in a comedy <laughs> club. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like also they're not going there expecting jokes yeah. mm. so everything ends up being funny mm. anyway we, i was walking to the venue from the hotel and this lady stops me on the street she's maybe mid-60s late 60s and just a sweet lady she's like hey you're the minimalist guy oh. and i'm like yeah hi how are you doing uh, can i get a hug and she's like yeah it'd be wonderful i said are you coming to our event it's right here the comedy works is right down the block she's like i didn't even know about it mm. I, I introduced you to her later because we saw yes. her again walking remember, yeah. and um she, she, she comes up to me and she goes, I just want you to know that I really enjoy the Instagram reels you guys have been sharing lately. Wow, wow, that's great. She goes, I've had this strange relationship with my daughter and it's been the way that I've been able to reconnect <gasps> with my daughter. Look at us. And so we're sharing yeah. little bite-sized versions of the podcast, little one-minute podcast, thanks to Danny Unknown over, over here and uh, Jordan No More, Podcast Sean, all sort of working together to share these one-minute podcasts on TikTok and on Instagram. You can check those out. We're doing it like twice a week. So yeah. if you want little shareable bits of the podcast, if you're in for someone, you're like, you know, I want to share minimalism with someone, but I can't get them to watch an hour-long documentary. Yeah. Well, here's a one-minute clip on TikTok or on Instagram. We're at The Minimalists on 
both platforms. I'm still trying to talk him into doing some TikTok dances, but oh, you have to, so you got to shake it. I and by the way, by the way, that 65 year old woman was me. So thank you so much. I love those. No, that's a great idea. The one minuteers, yeah. I love it. Well, it's been a great like, and I know Jessica who helps out with our social media. She's our social media manager. She she's been telling us about all of these, and I've been looking at the comments. She's sending them over. All these people are saying, "Oh, this is so great because now I can share this with my friends or family who just want to know more about minimalism." But I don't feel like I'm beating them over the head mm. with a 60 minute podcast yeah. or something like that. That's great for our added value segment this week. Well, we like to end the show with uh, with a song, and sometimes an album just grows on you. And I, um, I, I don't know. I've been listening to this on and off, but then it just really stuck with me in the last week. It's Kanye's new album. So mm. I don't know if you're a Kanye West fan, but uh, I am. So I thought we would end this episode with OK, OK. It's from his new album, Donda. By the way, we have a bunch more surprise questions this week, don't we, Emma? Yes, questions such as, where do you find happiness? Why do we cling to unhappy relationships? And how do we let go of them? How do we determine when it is time to let go of a dream? How do we deal with the emptiness we feel when we stop clinging? Plus a million more questions for Lisa and the Minimalists. If you want to hear all that, check out the Minimalist private podcast this week. Visit patreon.com slash the minimalist to subscribe and get your personal link so that our weekly private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app. You'll also gain immediate access to hundreds of hours of private archives, recordings of live events, monthly Ask the Minimalist Anything sessions, and our private community of thousands of open-minded minimizers like you. Subscribe today at patreon.com slash the minimalists. You can follow the minimalists on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Minimalists, come to one of our live podcast shows. Visit theminimalist.com slash tour to find a city near you. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalist.com. Comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalists. And if you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list at theminimalist.com. You'll receive our simple Sunday newsletter for free. All right. Well, Lisa, I think we should end them today with, uh, with one message. If you leave here today with just one message, let it be this. Love people and use things. It's true because I've tried the opposite for 50 years and it did not work. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. So I must pay you. 
They don't keep me round cause I'm straight truth. My dog locked up had more home runs than Babe Ruth.